Welcome to the LifeGate Podcast. Our vision is changing lives in a changing culture with the unchanging truth. Our prayer is that these weekly messages will inspire you to life change through the principles found in God's Word. Let's join in for this week's message. Haven't we been having a good time with this series, Family Goals? Everybody say, Family Goals family goals. And really the heart of this series, even though we're having fun with it, the heart of it comes out of this one word. In fact, every year at the beginning of the year, we ask God to just give us one word, one focus for the year that really kind of try, just really kind of aligns us all together in vision and in focus for the year. And at the beginning of this year, we felt like God put in our heart that the word for this year is that word family. And so out of that word and out of that focus, we really just kind of came up with, as the Lord led us, four family goals, four goals that we're striving for this year. We've already kind of hit on the first two. We talked about how we want to strengthen families. So everybody say strengthen families. We talked about that and that's not just a sermon in the series, but it's actually something that we're doing throughout this year. Last week, man, we talked about a powerful subject. If you didn't hear last week, I know we had some, some, you know, ice and sleet and stuff like that. Somebody didn't make it. If you didn't make it last week for the second goal of equipping, equipping parents, you need to go back and listen to the podcast. I'm telling you, it will help you. Next week, I'm so excited about what's happening next week because God has put it in our hearts to, to help people in, in our community and in our area that do not have families to adopt them into the family and literally to do that for orphans in our area, in our county. There are so many in foster care and in orphan care. And God is going to help raise us up as a church. I believe God's going to speak to some of y'all to maybe be a foster parent or to adopt. And I'm so excited about the guest speaker as we talk about our fourth goal of, of caring for orphans. You don't want to miss that. But today what we're going to do is we're going to jump into this third goal. And the third goal is this, that as a family, we would grow in love. So everybody say it real loud on the count of three. One, two, three. Grow in love love, that we would be, as a family, growing in love. And we're going to talk about it a little bit today. And to this point, really, in this series, we've talked more about the family unit, mom, dad, you know, brother, sister, that kind of stuff. But today, we're going to talk more about the family as the body of Christ, as the church. We are a family. Did you know that? Like, like if you're a Christian, if you're a part of a local church, like if you're a follower of Jesus, did you know that you are part of God's family? In fact, like when I was a kid, we used to even say stuff like this in church. We'd call people brother and sister. Come on, you remember those days, right? Like I remember people would say, you know, brother Benson, sister Benson, stuff like that. I remember the first time somebody called me brother Benson, I was like, no, where's my dad? I don't, that's not, that must be my dad because I'm not used to that. And we don't say really that much anymore in, in church circles, but we ought to because it's true. Like if you're a Christian, you're my brother. Come on, you're my sister. God is our, our father. This is cool. Jesus is our brother. Come on, that blow your mind, right? Isn't that awesome? Like we are a part of the family of God. And if we are a part of the family of God, how many know that God has some goals for his family? 
Like through this series, the real kind of main point of this has been, hey, are your family goals lining up with God's family goals? Do you want what God wants, his priorities for your family? And if we're going to talk about that in the family unit, we need to talk about that in the family as a whole too. Like the truth is, is that we want God's goals for our church. We want God's family goals to be our church family goals. And what is his goal? What are his goals for the church family. Well, I think we can really kind of narrow it down to really one main goal. And we find it in this passage today, if you've got your Bible, in the book of 1 John. So go ahead and open it there. And in this passage in 1 John, we're going to see really what I believe is God's greatest goal for his family as a whole. It's found in 1 John chapter 2 and verse number 7. Let's read it together. It says, Dear friends, I am not writing you a new commandment for you. Rather, it is an old one that you have had from the beginning. This old commandment is to, everybody say it aloud, is to love one another. In the same message you heard before, yet it is also new that Jesus lived and the truth of this commandment is also, you are also living in. Here's what, here's what John says. John says, hey guys, here's what God's goal is for you as a family. That you would love one another. Now it's really kind of foundational, isn't it? I mean, think about it. Like, that's really the foundation of every family. Love. It's the foundation of your family. It's the foundation of your marriage. It's the foundation of your relationship with your children. It's the foundation of your relationship with your parents. It's the foundation of every family. And it's the foundation of the family of God. It's been this way since the very beginning. That families are built upon love. And John goes, hey guys, this is not a new thing. It's like not something that you don't already know. In fact, some of you are even kind of thinking that right now. You're going, well, pastor, like, can't you just teach us something that we already know, like, or that we don't already know? Teach us something kind of new, like blow me away with your knowledge and your depth and your insight. Like, I want you to really thrill me with something brand new today. And here's what I got to tell you here today is that sometimes it's not the new stuff that we don't already know that makes the biggest difference. Sometimes it's more the application of the stuff that's the old stuff that we should already know. Come on, right? In fact, this is what John was saying. John goes, hey, this is not a new commandment. This is an old commandment that you've known from the very beginning of time. This is what God has built his family on. And he says, basically, he says, guys, I'm just reminding you. In fact, let me just tell you something, guys. As a pastor, you know what my biggest job is? My, my biggest job is not to instruct you. You know what my biggest job is? To remind you. Not to instruct you with stuff you, you don't know, but to remind you of the stuff that you already know. In fact, I like what one guy said about it. He said, the pastor's job is to be the chief reminding officer. That's what you just call me, the CRO. Come on, right? This is my job. It's like to just bring back the stuff that you already know, because many times it's the stuff that we already know that makes the biggest difference. And John goes, this is not a new thing. This is an old thing. But what I'm doing is I'm making the old thing a new thing again. Come on. How many have seen that that happens in style sometimes, right? Come on. Like some of the stuff we wear now that we wore it in the 90s and now it's coming back, right? And and that's the way it is. This is what John is saying. John is saying, hey, this is an old thing that never goes out of style. And what I want to do is I want to make it new and fresh in our lives. And the truth is, is that many of us, this is where we're at. Like, we know we're supposed to love people. 
Like, I know I'm supposed to love God, love people. But here's the problem is that we know it. But what we need is we need to know it afresh and anew to the point where it takes over us and we begin to live it. Because it's obvious that maybe we know about it, but maybe we don't really know how to do it. I mean, you look at what happens in society, even like stuff that happened this week in society. I mean, what a tragedy. Man, you think about that. And yet then I also think about the way many people, even many Christians have responded to take something like that and turn it political and all the things that we say and all the things that we do. And many times we know, man, I'm supposed to love God and love people. And yet many times it doesn't come out in the way that we act, in the way that we live, in the way that we treat people. It's not a new thing. And yet it needs to be a new thing in our hearts. So I want to talk about it a little bit today. I want to talk about how do we grow in love. And in order to do this, we're going to have to look at a passage that's really one of my favorite in the whole Bible. It's called the love chapter. How many think we could learn something about love from a chapter called the love chapter, right? And so we're going to look at it today. It's found in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And from this passage, we're going to see three things about love. If you're taking notes, you can write them down. The first one is simply this, is that love is priority. Everybody say priority. Love is priority. Guys, when it comes down to it, in the family of God, guess what? Love is the big stuff. Love is the important stuff. Love is, love is like, like the foundation, bottom line of everything in God's kingdom. In fact, when Jesus was asked, what matters most? Like, what's the commandment that's really the most important? There's all these commandments. Now, tell me the most important one. What did Jesus say? The most important commandment. He said, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then do what? And then... Love your neighbor as yourself. And then what did he say? He said, all the law and all the prophets. In other words, all of the Bible, everything that has been written, really can be narrowed down into this one thing. Love God and love people. It all comes down to love. This is the priority in the kingdom of God. And this is what Paul is talking about in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Look what he says. He says, if I speak in tongues of men and of angels and do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge and have faith that can move mountains and do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I what? I gain nothing. In this passage, Paul is kind of painting a picture of the importance and the priority of love. And he really breaks it down for us. If you take a note, you can kind of write these down. Here's what Paul says. Paul says, love takes priority even over being spiritual. Like love is more important than being spiritual. Look what he says. He says in verse number one, if I speak in tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am only a resounding gong. Or a clanging cymbal. In other words, Paul goes, hey, you can be the most spiritual person in the house. Like you can speak in tongues that come from God. You can have all of the gifts of the spirit. You can know how to pray and know how to prophesy and know how to do all of the spiritual stuff. But if you don't have love, if you don't do it in love, the Bible says that you're just doing nothing but making noise. You're like a resounding gong. Or a clanging cymbal. You're like, you're like one of these cymbals up here on the drums. You know, when the, when the worship team is playing and man, you got the guys on the guitar and the keyboard and man, they're singing and everything's going together. Like Collins is up here playing on the, and he's banging on these cymbals. You know what I'm saying? And when everything's going good together and everyone's playing together in harmony, those cymbals sound good, right? Come on, right? I'm like, bang on them harder. I like it. I'm a drummer, right? 
But what if he was just up here and there was nobody else playing and he just took these sticks and just started just wailing on those cymbals. After a while, it'd probably start getting on your nerves. Come on, right? And here's what God says. It don't matter how great you can pray. It doesn't matter if you have all the gifts of the Spirit. It doesn't matter if you're praying in tongues and all of those things that are, that are important stuff. If you don't have love for one another, if you don't know how to treat one another, guess what happens? That outside of the harmony of the family of God, all of that becomes a bunch of clanging cymbals, a bunch of noise in God's ears unless it is done with love. Love's a priority. It's more important than being spiritual. Number two, write this one down. It's more important, not just than being spiritual, it's more important than being smart. Look what he says. He says, if I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and knowledge. Paul goes, hey man, I could be the the greatest Bible scholar in the world. Like I could be so smart and understand everything about the word of God and know how to get up here and teach it with great, incredible depth. And yet if I didn't have love, man, it wouldn't be anything. No matter how smart you are. In fact, the Bible goes on and Paul says it like this, that here's what happens. Knowledge tends to puff up, but love builds up. And haven't we seen this before? Like people get super smart, but they don't really know how to love other people and treat other people. And what does it do? It puffs us up. And here's what Paul is saying. It don't matter how smart you are. And let me just add this. It don't matter even if you're right. Come on. If you don't have love in your heart, if you don't treat others with love, guess what? You can be right and still be wrong because love is the priority. It, it's, it matters more than being more than being smart. Notice this. It matters more than having faith. Man, most of us say faith is so important and it is. We should have faith. But guess what it says in this passage? Paul says, if I have faith that can move mountains, come on, but don't have love. I'm nothing. Faith is important, but love's even more important. It's the priority. This is the big stuff in the kingdom of God. It's even more important, letter D, than being generous. Now, notice what he says. If I, if I give all I have to the poor and surrender my body to the flames, but I have not love, I gain nothing. Now, here's the deal. I want you to be generous. Come on. Like, I just got up here and said, give to the stories campaign, right? But here's the deal. I don't want you to be generous just for the sake of being generous. Here's what we want. We want generosity to flow out of the love that is in our heart for God and for people. And here's what I know. If you will grow in love, you will grow in generosity. Because the more you love, the more you're going to want to give. See, here's what Paul is saying. Guys, this is what matters the most. Love is the priority. It's more important than being spiritual. It's more important than being smart. It's more important than having faith. It's more important than being generous. It's even more important than being successful. Look what it says in verse 3. I love the way it says it in the, in the message. No matter what I say, what I believe, what I do, I am bankrupt. Everybody say that word, bankrupt. I am bankrupt without love. Like I can look like I got it together all on the outside. But nothing really matters in my life unless I'm not living in this one goal that God has for me in the family of God. And that goal is to love him and love others with everything that I have. In fact, Paul goes on to say at the end of this chapter, three things remain, faith, hope, and love. But what? But the the greatest, the priority, the most important of these is 
Love. Love's a priority. Number two, write this down. Not only is love priority, but love is practical. Guess what, guys? Love is not, love is not just some conceptual thing up there for us to learn about. Love is a practical thing for us to live out. Love is not just, you know, some pie in the sky. Love is steak on a plate. Come on, right? Like, it's, it's, it's practical. You can, you can actually live it out in your life. It's one thing to say, man, I know that I'm supposed to love people. It's another thing to actually live this in the way that we treat people in our families, in our marriage, in our life group, in our church, in our communities that we would live it out. In fact, John says it like this in 1 John 3, verse 18. Dear friends, let us love not with words or tongue but with what with action and in truth what's John saying John saying man you can talk all day about this stuff but what really matters is can you live it don't just talk it walk it don't just say it live it don't just gab it give it come on don't just sing it bring it come on I can do this all day because here's the thing I don't know if you knew this. You go look it up in the dictionary. You know that word love in the dictionary? You know, right out next to it, there's a little, a little letter. You know what the letter is? V. You know what it stands for? Verb. <laughs> love is an action. Love is something that we do. You know, believe me, just ask DC Talk back in the 90s. Come on, pulling out my big black book. Because when I need a word to find, that's where I look. So I move to the L's quick, fast, in a hurry. Through all my specs, because my vision was blurry. I look to end with my display. I can't remember it all, whatever. Love is a verb. Come on, you remember that? Right? Pastor's got skills. I don't know if you knew that. It's a verb. It's something we do. And this is what, this is what Paul is talking about in this passage Love is something that's practically, not just conceptual, something that's, that's practical. Look what he says in verse 7. It's patient. Love is kind. Does not envy. Does not boast. Not proud. Not rude. Does not dishonor others. Is not self-seeking. Not easily angered. Keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth that always protects and always trusts and always hopes and always perseveres. What's Paul saying? Paul is saying love is something that is lived out practically. How do we practically live out love? By being patient with others. How do we practically live out love? By being kind with people when we're still even in a bad mood. Come on. We live out love by not envying people that we see when they post on social media and they're off in the Bahamas having their vacation and we're at work and it's cold. Come on, right? Love is actually lived out by, hey, I don't compare. I don't envy. I don't boast. Man, I'm not proud and I'm not rude with others or selfish and thinking about myself or easily angered and holding on grudges to others. No, 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 no. I live this out by by showing this action of patience and kindness and goodness. The fruits of the Spirit actually flowing in my life towards others. And when you really think about it, like I I love this, this illustration I heard years ago. That if, if the Bible says that God is love, right? How many would agree with me on that? Then you ought to be able to take 1 Corinthians 13 and you ought to be able to replace the word love with the word God and it ought to fit. And it does. You think about it. God is patient. God is kind. God does not envy. God does not boast. God is not proud or rude. God is not self-seeking. God is not easily angered. On and on and on. You can go. And how many would say it fits? And if this is God's greatest goal for us, that we would love God as he has loved us, then guess what? We ought to also be able to take the word love out and put our name in. But I'm not sure we can always do that. (laughs) Like I put mine in there and I'm like, Chad is patient. Well, (laughs) not all the time. 
In fact, just yesterday, I was pretty impatient with my daughter in the car and I snapped at her and I had to say, I'm sorry. Chad is kind. Well, that just yesterday, that wasn't very kind. Chad does not envy. Well, sometimes I do. Chad does not boast. Chad is not proud. Chad is not rude. Chad is not self-seeking. Chad is not easily angered. Take it out and put your name in. Can you do it? Maybe not. And the truth is, until we can take that out and put our name in, we still got some growing in love to do. Oh, pastor, preach something new. We've heard all this. No, no, no. Until you can actually do the old, maybe you don't need to hear the new. Maybe you need to take the old and make it new in your life again. Family goals, man, that we would grow in Love, and the truth is that love is the priority. It's what matters most. Love is practical. It's not just some pie in the sky that we preach about. It's something that we live in our relationships, in our marriage, in our church, on our social media, everywhere that we go. Come on. Number three, write this one down. Why is this so important? Because love is perfect. Everybody say perfect. It's perfect. Why is love such a big deal? Why is it God's goal for his family? Why is it of such a high value? Why, it is, why is it so important? Why? Because it's perfect. Look what Paul says in verse number seven. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. Check out those words. Love never fails. Man, I'll tell you what. You, you look around in our society and there are a lot of things that will fail you. I hope that I'm a good pastor and I want to be a great pastor. But guess what? There are going to be times when I'll fail you. I'll disappoint you. Guess what? There are times when you fail me and disappoint me too. There are times when your spouse is going to fail you. There are times when your kids are going to disappoint you. There are times when your family is going to let you down. There are times when, I'm I'm telling you, even the church and even Christians will fail you at times. But you know what the Bible says? The Bible says that even when others fail, guess what? Love never fails. In fact, I love the way that Paul goes on to talk about it in in the rest of the chapter. In verse number nine, he says, and now our knowledge is partial and incomplete. And even the gift of prophecy reveals only part of the whole picture. But when the time of what? Everybody say this word. When the time of perfection comes, those partial things will come, become useless. Notice this. It says, when the time of perfection comes. You know what that saying is? He's saying, if he's saying when that time comes, you know what that's saying to me? That's saying that that time has not yet come. We live in an imperfect world. We're imperfect people. I'm imperfect. You're imperfect. Others are imperfect. Man, we look around and we see great imperfection. Why do you think we see the things like we saw this week with the school shooting? Why do you think we see murder and rape and hatred and and violence and, and all of the stuff? Why do you think we see this? Because we live in a world that is fallen, in a world that is imperfect. But that's why love is so important because love is perfect. And even in an imperfect world where people let you down, where even other Christians let you down, where even the church sometimes might let you down in an imperfect world where there is hurt and there is hatred and there is pain and there is struggling and there is and there is strife and there is conflict and there is all of these things in the middle of all of this imperfection there is one thing that is perfect and that is God's love and God's love can cover all of the imperfections 
In fact, this is what the scripture says about it in first Peter chapter four and verse eight above all. In other words, he's saying, here's your goal. Here's the number one goal above all. What love each other deeply. Why? Because love covers over a multitude of sins. What's that saying? It's saying, here's why love is so important. Because love is so perfect that it can even cover over imperfections. Like I'm standing on this stage and on this stage you see this rug. It's pretty rug. Looks nice, right? But you don't realize that one of the reasons that the rug is here is not just because it looks nice. One of the reasons that the rug is here is because underneath the rug there are small holes in the stage where the cords go under so that they can run under the stage and you don't see all the ugly cords. And it's a little ugly, so we put a rug over it to cover it. <laughs> you don't see it. And here's, here's what love does. When we learn to love others the way God has loved us, guess what? Hey, in my family, man, my, my kids and my wife and my family members, they're not perfect. But because I love them, I'm, I'm willing to look over some of their imperfections. I'm willing to cover up some of the ugly because I love them. Doesn't mean that I just let things go, but here's what it is. Because I love them so much, some of the small imperfections and some of the stuff that might grate on my nerves or whatever, I can let some of that go because love is perfect even when they aren't perfect. Love is perfect even when I'm not perfect. So they can do that for me. And this is what this, this is why love is so important that in, even in the family of God, even among Christians. There are some times when there's people that, hey, they have some imperfections and they've got some flaws and they got some stuff. And sometimes if we're not careful, that stuff can grate on us and get on our nerves. But if we're living in and flowing in God's love for us through to other people, if that is happening in our life and we are growing in love, then even when someone's imperfect, even when someone has flaws, what I'm going to do is I'm going to let the love of God flow through me to cover over those imperfections. In fact, I'm going to make allowances. That's what the scripture says about it in Ephesians 4 and verse 2. I love the way it says it in the Amplified Bible. It says, with complete lowliness of mind and humility and meekness and unselfishness and gentleness and mildness, with patience, bearing with one another and what? And making allowances. Why? Because you love one another. And if I love you, guess what? I'm going to make some allowances, even when, you're, even when you're imperfect. If you love me, guess what? Even when I'm up here and I got a cold and my, no, my nose is all stopped up and I, I sound bad when I'm preaching, you're going you're gonna to overlook that, right? Because you love me, right? Come on. And, and even when I say something you don't like, you're going to overlook it. And even when you do something I don't like, I'm gonna, I might have to say something if it's uh, an area of where we need to bring some correction, but I'm going to overlook that because I love you. This is what love does. Love is the priority of our lives. The number one goal. Love is to be lived out in a practical way because love is perfect. So you say, all right, pastor, how do we live this stuff out? Let me give you four takeaways real quick. Write them down. Number one, here's what I'm going to do. If I'm going to grow in love, what I'm going to do is I'm going to have to focus on others first. In fact, this is what love does. Love takes the focus off me and it puts the focus on others. So here's my challenge for you this week. In your, in your home, when you sit down and you do your family meal times this week, think about how can I put the focus on someone else? How can I serve someone else? How can I do something that might not be comfortable for me, but might be, might be putting the focus on them? Maybe it's, hey, I'm going to, you know, instead of being asked, I'm going to get up and go ahead and do the dishes after we're done. Put them in the dishwasher. I'm going to, whatever it might be, how can I 
focus on someone else. Maybe that would be that way in our church that you would say, hey, how can I find somewhere, some way to serve and some way to focus on others rather than just focusing on myself, man, you know, on my ministry team. Man, guess what? Ministry teams are families too, right? And maybe you'd say, hey, whenever I come to be a, a greeter, I'm going to stop by and get donuts and bring those just to serve other people. Or maybe when somebody picks you up in the golf cart and brings you in, aren't you thankful for that during this, during this season where we're doing the construction? And maybe you'd say, hey, I'm going to bring them coffee or I'm going to get them a gift card and, and send them to, to a nice meal with their, with their spouse or whatever because I appreciate them. I'm going to take the focus off of me and put the focus on others. That's what love does. The Bible says it like this in Romans 12 and verse 10 that we should be devoted to one another in love and honoring others, what? Above ourselves. Number two, what am I going to do? I'm going to find the good in others. This is what love does. First Corinthians 13, six, that love always looks for the best. You know, we don't do this in our society all that often. In fact, we're good at pointing out what we don't like. We're good at being critics. It's real easy behind a keyboard and a laptop to say things that we would never say in some, in someone's face. Come on, right? But here's what love does. Love says, instead of looking to point out the flaws in others, I'm going to look for the good in others and I'm going to point that out. And I'm not just going to refrain from saying the bad. I'm going to make sure that I speak the good in people's lives. And maybe you'd say, how am I going to live that out this week? Maybe you'd take your notes today and you'd write down, how can I do this in my family? How can we do this in our life group? How can we do this in our church? How can I be a person who speaks good about others, who looks for the good in others? Number three, I'm going to forgive others quickly. Scripture says in 1 Corinthians 13, 5, love keeps no record of wrongs. Is there someone that you're holding something against? And I'm telling you, maybe, maybe the way that you would grow in love this week is that you would say, man, there's someone that I need to forgive. I need to let it go. In fact, in your notes, I gave you a little space there to write down who are people that I need to forgive. I gave you three slots there. I hope you don't need more than that, okay? <laughs> How can I show love? To, how can I show love to them by letting it go? I've been holding on to it too long. Number four, write this one down. How am I going to learn to grow in love? I'm going to have to follow through to the end. This is what love does. Look what it says in verse seven. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. Notice these, these two words are so important. Always and never. You know what that says to me about love? That love is faithful. Love is consistent. Love finishes what it starts. There may be some of you that are here today and maybe you've got some relationships where you just feel like, man, I just kind of ready to give up on that relationship. Someone hurt me. They said something and they said it one too many times and they crossed the line and I'm done with them. Man, I'm tired of the church thing because I come to church and Christians are supposed to be Christians and then they say stuff that they shouldn't say or they do stuff and it hurts me and I'm, I'm done with that. I've been praying and praying and praying for my loved one that doesn't know the Lord to come to church and that's just not ever ha- going to happen. So I'm, I'm giving up on that. I don't know if God really loves me, so I'm giving up on him. And here's what the Bible says. The Bible says that love never gives up. Love never fails. Love is always persevering. Love always stays to the very end. And some of you, as you're going to grow in love, it's going to be that, hey, in those areas, in those relationships that I feel like giving up on, I'm going to hold on to the end because that's what love does. Reminds me of a race that I heard about the Greeks used to run way back before the days of the Olympics. This race was unique because in this race, the winner was not the person who crossed 
the finish line first. No, these runners, they would run with a torch in their hand that was lit. And the winner of this race was simply the one who crossed the finish line. His torch was still lit. And I wonder if some of you are here today and the fire, the torch of the passion for the love for God and for people has began to wane. And maybe you'd have to say today, man, I want to relight that torch and that fire of my love for God and my love for people that no matter what they do or say or what happens in my life, I'm going to make it. 